on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, May 10th. LA Galaxy get a 2-1 victory over LAFC in the first El Trafico of 2021. We're going to talk about that game. Big surprise. Want to get uh, through some of the things we learned. Maybe some of the things we're happy with, some of the things that we think the Galaxy still need to improve on for sure. So we're going to talk a whole bunch about that, get you all the way through it. Uh, weekly schedule coming up, the schedule for the LA Galaxy to close out May is coming up. Uh, some Nations League information as some LA Galaxy players look like they are possibly on their way to the Nations League. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. So yeah, a whole bunch to get to. And of course, the rumors. There's two rumors out there. We're going to tell you a definitive, at least semi-definitive, on both of them tonight. All right, so a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. In order to help me do all that is a man who is who really needs no introduction, but I introduce him every single time anyway. It's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going? You know, this show is supposed to start at 8, and it's now 8.08. This is like an ESPN kickoff. <laughs> By the way, can we just say that Fox kicked off at 5.05, and some people almost missed the kickoff because they were not ready because it said I, 5 p.m.? <laughs> You know, if you've never been to a game in Europe, it is amazing. It says two o'clock kickoff or whatever it is. It kicks off at two o'clock. Yeah. None of this messing around national anthems and stuff. The players come on the field. Boom. They start the game. Well, I mean, you know, even if you compare it to some of the other sports and in, in, around the around uh, the United States, you look at baseball, right? You look at baseball and baseball is like, you know, first pitch is at 732 and first pitch is at 732. It's like yeah. right, it's right there. It's a, And to be fair, Kevin. MLS has been putting on the website the actual kickoff times. So if you go on MLS.com and you look, it should show you like 5 p.m. something. And then underneath it, it'll say 5.05 kickoff. Right. And so, you know, that that is um, when it was happened. So, uh, you know, it's one of those. Did you know the Toronto Blue Jays once had a sponsorship with uh, 7-Eleven where all games first pitch was 7-Eleven? genius so yeah you, you had to nail that because if you missed it then the whole sponsorship thing that's, didn't work that's gen- by the way i mean those are the kind of creative things i love that they get me that right i mean seven eleven. by the way nobody no galaxy fan no mls soccer fan cares what time the game starts for the most part right it's just that they want to be told when that time is so that way they can appropriately pre-game and plan the rest of their day right you, you know who does care who reporters on deadline <laughs> yeah. it's a seven o'clock kickoff that kicks off at 7 20 that 20 minutes is a killer yeah it really is it is it's a lot of things can i tell you my most exciting weekend that i've had in a very long time not only 
Uh, I, by the way, I didn't wait for you to answer. I'm just going to tell you anyway. It's my show. I can do it. Yeah, you have to give me a chance to answer. No, as no, Mitch no. Edberg says. No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Um, is, uh, is that one? I got to go to the to the to an El Tráfico game with fans. That was awesome, and we're going to talk a whole bunch about that. Uh, I got to go inside of Target with my wife and my and my young son for the first time in like over a year. We went into Target. Uh, and my son, who was, you know, the last time he was in there, I think he was like three months old or something like that, or two months old. And now it's almost uh, 18 months old. Uh, he sits there and he looks at it and his eyes are like just popping through his head. He can't believe the magicalness of Target. His um, heart is probably not ready for a super Walmart yet. <laughs> it's he too might big. want to wait it's, on that. It's too big. It depends. He, he got it. He got two Matchbox cars out of it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Two dollars, by the way. Matchbox cars, still a deal. Ninety nine cents each beautiful that's good that's beautiful all right let's get to it la galaxy uh 2-1 victory over lafc uh a game in which uh the la galaxy were missing a very important piece um and a game in which you know you look at the possession and some of the stats looks pretty lopsided uh and i think most galaxy fans will feel that that was the case through the first half and through a, a good portion of the second half as well so um for me just as a whole uh i'll take the atmosphere uh, which is outstanding because anytime there's fans in the stands right now, Kevin, I'm a happy camper. Um, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I even if it's socially distanced, 7,193 people of my very closest friends were there. Uh, so that was fun. Um, and then to be able to watch that game and still have some of that electric um, you know, sort of it's atmosphere. Like, like the earth was shaking there at stoppage time. <laughs> did Did you feel it? You were sitting next to me. Did Did, I, did you I, feel I, it? I, I I didn't know for sure it was an earthquake. You said that's an earthquake. I just I just really did think that it was sort of the crowd shaking the stadium, which which is ridiculous because it's only seven thousand people and they were very loud. If you had your head down, it sounded like a real full crowd. But so there was history. I mean, we talked to Jonathan Bond afterwards. That was his first earthquake, and he didn't feel it. But right. there were a lot of guys, Will, Derek Williams, Grant Sear, a lot of those guys probably never felt an earthquake before. And still haven't because they didn't feel I think we yeah. felt it more in the press box than anybody else. Because we're elevated and we're like on suspensions or whatever. I don't know the architectural term for <laughs> we, that. But we, we were up there swaying a little bit. As uh, as uh, my favorite tweet uh, out of the press box, and I'm sure Damien will be fine with me sharing this, being he did share it with all of his followers. He said, sitting next to Scott French is not the way I want to go. Um, and so, <laughs> which I, if, if you know Scott, uh, then that's a, that's a correct tweet. I mean, I wouldn't, that's not the way I wanted to go. This, quite honestly, Kevin, sitting next to you is not the way I want to go either. <laughs> so um, anyway, no, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. A, a really, a really interesting game from a lot of perspectives. Let's start with the starting lineup because then that sort of leads us into a whole bunch of, of other things. Let's say, um, I should point out that there were a, a handful and they were certainly scattered, as you would expect, of LAFC fans, probably more whenever you're walking on the concourse than whenever you actually look down in the stadium could see. Uh, I would like to reiterate that the LA Galaxy did not sell any tickets to any LAFC fans directly. And the reason that they were there is because season ticket members uh, who were the only ones who were offered seats sold those on a secondary market. Uh, the Galaxy and I talked to them on Friday uh, before the game said they had actually Kevin set aside a section of the stadium to move some LAFC fans to in case they ended up in places like Victoria block or over at LA riot squad. And whenever you looked up, it was the upper left hand uh, corner there. You could see them uh, sitting in the sitting in that, that section with some security and stuff like that. But outside of that, people were scattered. I think I only heard some, you know, one or two ejections in terms of just that's, that's uh uh, anecdotal that's not even official or anything like that so i mean for the most part the the lack of people seemed to make it a little bit less of a uh, of a problem there but one of the guys who was in the stands watching kevin was and we saw him uh, on some pictures before was kevin cabral 
He was there. He was in a suite. He wasn't with a fan, but he did post for pictures in the suite. And there was some talk, you and I were talking before, that he might have been available for selection if if he were ready to play. And uh, we, our understanding was that the coaching staff decided he had, had not had not had enough time training with the team. And that's that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it seemed that way. But he was out of, obviously, he was at the stadium, so he was out of quarantine, which means we imagine that he arrived on Monday. We still haven't got that confirmed or when he actually arrived or any of that stuff, but it seems like he arrived on Monday, uh, was able to do his five days quarantine as mandated by MLS, um, and then was able to to start, I think, uh, at least jumping in with the team. Maybe, maybe Friday he was able to say hi to him, that type of thing. And then uh, on Saturday, he was able to attend it. Um, so technically speaking, available, but also, technically speaking, he's not Zlatan, so not available. <laughs> well, yeah, and Dennis DeClosa said he will definitely be available for selection. That doesn't mean he's going to be in the 20. That doesn't mean he's going to be in the lineup. But he was definitely available for selection this weekend against Austin. Uh, Atari is still in France. He's still going. He's still going through his, uh, apparently, the visa paperwork issue. Um, I was told as of late this afternoon, Monday, that he is not in the country uh, I, I don't think anyone was missing words with me. I, I don't think when they said that, that didn't mean he was hovering over the airport, re- getting ready to land. I think they meant he was still in France. So presumably, even if he got here early this week, he won't play until 22nd. Yeah, that, that seems likely. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Galaxy integrate him and whether or not he just gets a start or whether they bring him in off the bench. That's all for, for sort of looking down the road at Austin uh, coming up on Saturday. Two home games in a row. What do you know? My wife is going to love that. Um, let's talk about the game itself. No Victor Vasquez in this. And we had uh, Victor on the show on Thursday night, and he was... As a professional does, uh, talking around his injury a bit. That was one of the first questions I asked him. You know, we, we know you came out. We know you were having a growing problems. You know, how are you growing? Oh, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling better. You know, hopefully I can be out there. Hopefully there was a lot of hopefuls and a lot of stuff. And so uh, it wasn't a surprise. So no one, no one, um, no one, I, I think, was surprised that Victor Vasquez wasn't there. But in this game, Kevin, when you look at the possibility of, the gal- of what the Galaxy could have started with, um, it could have meant, you know, Victor Vasquez in the center. It could have meant that maybe Adam Saldana doesn't start, um, which in a big game, this was a big game, big start for Adam Saldana for sure. Uh, Sebastian Legette comes in. Maybe he gets to play in the middle more if Victor Vasquez is there. Although when you look at the lineup, the LA Galaxy put out, Kevin, um, that lineup is very much a 4-4-2. Ethan Zubak returning to the starting lineup as well. So Zubak and Chicharito, and they played that way. Um, I will say for most of the first half, which is in that 4-4-2, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos playing in there, uh, Grancia over on the right-hand side, uh, Viafania, Williams, Steris, and Araujo, and Bond. By the way, those five players had one heck of a night, and every single one of them had a very, very good uh, good game against LAFC. So um, you got this starting lineup, Kevin. I mean, it's still far from, I think, where we expect it to be whenever they have quote unquote, everyone available. And we keep playing the everyone available, including, you know, Kevin Cabral, uh, maybe with Sega, uh, Koulibaly, whenever he comes in. Um, but I mean, Cabral, if you're going to slot him into this lineup, fits in for Sebastian Legette, and then Legette probably collapses in and kicks Saldana to the bench um, in this particular lineup. But then what are you going to do if you have Victor Vasquez? Well, if, you know, I think if Cabral is in, then Zubak probably isn't playing that 4-4-2. So just sort of looking at the machinations that could be happening. Did you have any surprises with this particular lineup? No, but what I was happy about was Zubak in there, and then Chicharito scores in the 11th minute. Remember, the Galaxy, when they finished the game with the Dos Santos goal, they have eight goals now this season, right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Eight goals, six of them by Chicharito. 
Zubek on the bench, even though he's only this was only his second start, right? Mm-hmm. On the uh, on the field for all six of those goals, and and you know he hasn't set Chicharito up. He did, I think, help set Chicharito up for one goal, but for the most part, I don't know what Zubek is doing. He's unlocking Chicharito in some way, right? Because it 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 just can't be serendipitous that he happens to be on the field for or all six of Chicharito's goals when he when he's not a regular starter. Yeah, I, let me get to a super chat. Uh, Justin sent us $5, and Justin says, uh, when do you think we'll be able to see Galaxy players after trainings for autographs, surprise securities, and strict with autographs post-game? Uh, I will tell you that I don't see that happening anytime soon, perhaps in July, and maybe the end of July and into August, maybe that eventually returns, but that would mean that basically we are down to almost zero restrictions um, if that happens, which means that, Kevin, you and I would also get to uh, possibly get back into... Get autographs? Get, get yeah, no, we're not allowed to do that. No. I, I've, I've heard I've heard they don't like that. Uh, but we would be able to get in front of players again. Um, and so I think it's coming. It's just not happening very soon. I will also tell you this. I was talking with some people at the game about all the restrictions and all the things. And somebody said it's impossible to follow all the restrictions and all the guidelines and that this particular person thought it would be uh, amazing if, you know, all the quarantine rules for all these players across the league are being followed, you know, to any sort of, you know, nth degree, Kevin. I mean, there's everybody's trying, everybody's doing their best, but it's just it's impossible to follow the changes um, and just the the myriad of uh, of different levels of, of things there. So, um, yeah, but, but you have to look at it from the team's perspective, too, and that they are a, a public corporation that they're front facing everybody sees what they're doing um you know there are all kinds of disclaimers that we have to sign before we can go in the stadium saying that you know if we die from covid we can't sue them and all that kind of stuff but you know they they have to um you know, most, all the players are vaccinated now, but you still see the masks everywhere. Uh, there's still the different tiers of access. Um, it, it's it, it, we're not done with it yet. We're really close. June 15th, Governor Newsom said everything opens up. I still think we're going to be seeing some mask mandates. And I personally am going to be eating outdoors. I'm not ready to go indoors yet. No, no, I know but- some of us love to go to Target, but um I hope you had a mask on in there. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an easy that's easy for me. You know what? It's 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 running through the finish line. You know, yeah. don't ease up five minutes from the finish line and then lose the race. Yeah. Let's run through the line and then we'll be done with this by August. It comes from a guy who had two broken ankles, so I'll just I'll remember that. Um, <laughs> My feet are better now. I'm oh, on the treadmill this morning. Okay, that's good. Um, no, the, I, again, you go into this game, you see it. You talked about it. Chicharito scores in the eleventh minute. Uh, that was I'm going to say it. It was against the run of play. The Galaxy did have some early chances. That was not one. Of them, however, it turned into one because of one tackle by Mr. Derek Williams. Good lord, man. He had no he had no regards for humanity there, Kevin. To throw back, throw it back to, to Janino. Derek Williams um showed in this game why uh Greg Vanny and Dennis DeCloso wanted him on this team because he was physical. And can we talk for a second? Because we talk so much about slide tackling. We talk about pl- defenders who are out of position, right? And whenever I always say, you know, you see a guy who does a lot of slide tackling, it usually means he's out of position because you're trying to run in there, Kevin, and you're trying to fix a situation that you've caused. And slide tackles are sort of last ditch efforts unless you're in very good position to do so. Derek Williams doing that in his own offensive end about, you know, seven or eight or nine or 10 yards off the edge of the box, trying to stop a play from developing, because really that was a play that was going to go the other way with the LA Galaxy, probably going to be strung out on the counter um, after a corner kick and a reset and it came back in. Um, Derek Williams was in perfect position to make that tackle, because what happens if he doesn't make that tackle? He fouls the guy, right? And if he fouls the guy, that stops everything. And it's probably not even a yellow card because he's at least in front of him whenever it happens. He's trying to play the ball. But what he does is he plays the ball 
he he <laughs> what i think it was alicia rodriguez right didn't she ask greg vanny uh after the yeah, afterwards? Should greg vanny best 11 selection mls have you ever had been part of a play like that and he said no he couldn't even remember one like that yeah it, just to reset i mean it, it, greg uh or Derek williams is 15 yards at least away from chicharito and the slide tackle bounces the ball past Chicharito into the box. Chicharito has turned around and run after it into the box, settled the ball with his left foot, shot with her right foot. Um, I got an email from someone in Ireland this morning mm-hmm. and uh, just basically saying, what do you guys think of Derek Williams now? Yeah, I was, I I was, we think he's pretty good. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, whenever you look at that, that's crazy. Now, there is controversy, though, Kevin. There is controversy. And you and I are sitting next to each other in the press box. And whenever I saw that that comeback, I, I said to you immediately, I said it looked offside. Uh, It looked offside because on the replay, it looked offside. And I can tell most people haven't taken the time to actually go back and watch that because everybody I talked to says, oh, well, he's definitely offside. But VAR chose to, to decided to take a look at it and decided they did. They and, did look. and they decided didn't play, but they no, looked and decided that there was no reason to go ahead and review that for the referee. And there was no reason to overturn it. Are you ready for the freeze frame? OK, I'm about to show you a freeze frame. Uh, for you, Kevin, it'll be backwards. Everybody else will be fine, though. Um, Is this like the Zabruder film? Yeah, it kind of feels that way. There's the second gunman on the grassy knoll for sure. Um, if you go on this now, uh, before we get to this, I want you to understand this was taken off of YouTube's instant replay. The instant replay guy basically said Chicharito feels offside, but it's actually close and they're glad it didn't get home for whatever that means. It's MLS propaganda. I don't really care. Um, I will show you what this looks like and I'll show you how close. Oh, this was shot from the space show. <laughs> it was. I will show you how close this actually is. This is super super close. There's one thing you have to remember about, and this is one of the reasons the referees probably didn't do anything, is that, yes, Chicharito looks like he's drifting to the backside. Now, Chicharito's like at the bottom in the red shoes. Yeah, again, remember, we're on audio. Our right? top. Yeah, 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 so so we, we'll explain it to you, but Chicharito's on Imagine the bottom. Imagine that there's a guy with red shoes. <laughs> Chicharito's on the bottom. There's an LAFC player who is trailing the play, trying to get back on, um, and his heel is sticking out. Now, there's curves on this because there's a camera lens, right? And because there's curves, it's very difficult. I, by the way, I took a piece of paper and held it up on the screen to like sort of figure out whether or not there was a uh, like how much of a curve goes because uh, the camera is basically shooting right across the top of the 18 yard box. If you go and find that, you can stick a piece of paper up there. Then if you take another piece of paper and you put it on the grass line cut that's on the far left hand side, you could do it. It looks like a triangle, Kevin, whenever you do that. Those are two straight lines, but because of the lens and the distortion, they actually don't look that way. So the further left you go in the image, the, f- the closer it is to actually being on side because there's ones that are further up and further down. So there's lens distortion in here. You don't have to be genius to figure this stuff out. Just look at the lines on the field. It's super close. That's why VAR didn't touch it. It is way closer than people thinks it think thinks it is. Um, and for me, I I thought it was offside immediately until I saw this freeze frame. And I think this freeze frame is even um, about a split second too late, which means that these two would even be closer together whenever it happens. So uh, for me, I'm I'm saying uh, I'm saying it's borderline, but it was borderline and it was kept on. And you can actually see the AR at the very top, who's perfectly in line. And if the AR has that kind of look at it, I'm I'm okay with everybody leaving that one alone. Now there are two other Galaxy players that are clearly offside. I don't know who they are. That's Tristan Blackman, I believe, is the LAFC defender. Uh-huh. But the other two guys uh, might be Zubek and Grand Sierra. It's Grand Sierra yeah, on the other they, side. Yeah, they are clearly offside, but they never got involved in the play, so it doesn't nope. matter. Doesn't matter. So they were there. Chicharito does it, so they get the goal in the 11th minute. Then the LA Galaxy get absolutely... You know, it's not even pummeled, because that's not the right... 
you look at this and you look at the stats and yes, the LA Galaxy got outpossessed in this game, you know, basically 60-40, 61-39, right? The LA Galaxy got outshot 17 to 10 or 5 to 3 shots on goal. I always like shots on goal. That makes more sense to me. Um just in terms of how dangerous were the chances. Um and for the most part, uh Bond only had to make four saves. Although how do you get four saves and there's only three shots? Oh, because one of them went in. That's what. No, that doesn't make any sense. So anyway. It does not. No, it's fi- it's the other side. There's four saves and there's five on the other side. One went in. We just have to cross it. It's okay. I know how to read soccer stats. I will I will figure it out. So, you know, it makes sense. But uh, he leads the league in saves, by the way. 20. He, He's tied for the league lead. Yeah, and, and he has been getting bombarded. But whenever I asked him about it after the game, he even came to the to the defense. He's like, listen, I'm not worried about the goals. And by the way, LA Galaxy zero on goal differential right now. They've given up eight. They've scored eight. Um, this puts them basically at scoring two goals per game and giving up two goals per game after four games. So, um Whenever you look at that, you can actually predict that out. So right now, the LA Galaxy are projected to uh, score 68 goals, Kevin, and give up 68 goals. Um, what Big surprise. A, a lot of fun with that. Um, but Jonathan Bond was quick to sort of correct me. He says, I disagree. He goes, I don't think our defense has been bad. He goes, if you look at some of the goals, they just, they, he goes, I'm not worried about them, basically. Um, you know, and so he, he wanted to push back a little bit on that and say the defense he thinks is good. And this was their best defensive game. Um, in, in with without a doubt, I mean, look at the pressure that LAFC was able to put on this team. And certainly when you look at the midfield of Jonathan Dos Santos and Saldana, there were some real struggles in the first half and in starting in the second half between those two, um, trying to cover the space that LAFC sort of had the numerical advantage in the summer or in the middle. And what I expected to happen on defense, Kevin was Zubak was going to drop back to the wing on defense and legit was going to tuck in to be able to have the same number of of people in the middle and sort of match up. And for the most of the first half, that didn't happen. And the LA Galaxy didn't get punished because of it, um, even though I think LAFC comfortably had possession, but it was possession sort of without intent a lot of times. Um, well, yeah. What, what you, I mean, when you talk about that, you look at LAFC, uh, you know, first of all, yes, LAFC had the ball a lot, but I, I never really felt that they were all that dangerous. And yes, they had a lot of shots and yes, they had a ball, the ball a lot, but you know, they have 60 shots this season and they have, Fewer goals than Chicharito has by himself. LAFC, the you know the best scoring team in MLS history, uh, when they had the 85 a couple of years ago, they 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 have fewer goals than Chicharito has by himself. Um, so I you know I the Galaxy's clearly absorbed pressure. Bond made the saves when he had to. Four, that's as few as saves in the game this season. I was going to say, you know what we have to point out though, it was four saves, right? But how many times did he cut the ball out? How many times were they not saves where he cut out a cross or he came off his line to break up a dangerous play? There's probably another four or five of those situations that made him have an outstanding night. There was the double and, and sa- a couple of nice sliding saves by his defenders. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was good there was uh, good slide tackling in this. I thought the the fun stat was that the LA Galaxy had six yellow cards in this game and LAFC had one. And for off the top of my head, I think there were probably two yellow cards that I actually would have given in this. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'll be, uh, whenever I was watching Alan Chapman referee this game, Kevin, I thought he did a horrible job in terms of letting the game flow. There were so many little ticky fouls, and then he would let an overly aggressive foul play through. It's like you have to be consistent. So if you're using the same force on somebody, um, it's a foul every single time. And for me, he was not consistent at all. He was very choppy. He was the reason I think the first half was really choppy between both teams is that it was just, it was, Oh, this there's a ticky tacky foul. There's a ticky tacky foul. Oh my God. There's a crushing challenge. Oh wait, no, he's going to let that one go. Um, I think the players were confused about it. I don't think that they, they knew which fouls were coming or which won't, 
But I will say this, the LA Galaxy deserved more yellow cards than LAFC because the Galaxy were a more aggressive side whenever it came to the defensive challenges and and certainly fighting, I think, in the 50-50 duels. Well, that's what I wanted to point out is when you look at the stats, yes, LAFC had dominated possession. They had more shots. They had more shots on goal. They had more passes. They completed, uh, they had a better passing percentage. Okay, that's all fine. But when you look at the heart, what I consider to be the heart uh, uh, stats, the gut stats, that's where LAFC led. They had more corner kicks. They won more 50-50 balls. They won more duels. They uh, had more fouls conceded. They had more yellow cards. Um, I just think the Galaxy put more into it. And, and you can extrapolate that out further. For example, um, only Minnesota has a- allowed more shots than the Galaxy this season. And uh, only Vancouver in the Western Conference. Only Minnesota has allowed more shots. And only Vancouver has taken fewer shots. That means the Galaxy are giving up a ton. Right. They're absorbing pressure. And they're getting few opportunities on their end. Yet they're 3-1-0. and yeah. Um it, it, it just shows me that this team is a gutty team. It, it has a lot of heart. Greg Vanny talked about that. Mike McGee, a guy who defined heart when mm-hmm. he played here, he said he hadn't seen a uh, Galaxy team play with that much heart after Saturday's game. He said he hadn't seen a Galaxy team play with that much heart in a long time. And and that's why you and I keep wrestling with this idea of, look, it's a small sample size. We're only four games in. Right. It, they have played two good teams. They got smoked in Seattle, and then they beat LAFC in, yep. in a tough game. But – you know, good teams win games they're not supposed to win. And you can look at the statistics and say they shouldn't have won this game. Right. And they, and yet they won it. They're building something here. There's a chemistry. There's a character. There's a culture coming out of these tight wins. And Jonathan Bond talked about that. And again, this isn't even a real team. No. We don't have Sega. We don't have uh, Cabral on the right. field yet. There, um, Vasquez other, didn't play. Yeah, Vasquez didn't play. There's other rumors possibly coming in. There's at least one more that we think is coming in. So, so no, there's that. I will say this, though. Let's not discount the early wins. Miami has been a much better team since that first game against the LA Galaxy. Maybe they didn't play them well that day, but they are a better team than I think people gave them credit for. And the New York Red Bulls, I think, have won two in a row um, now as well. So I think both of those teams aren't as bad as maybe the MLS punditry wanted to make them out to be. And I think that right now Seattle is absolutely the real deal in terms of um, how well they can play. And I think that LAFC is playing well below where we expect them to be. Again, no Carlos Vela. They're a different team whenever he's out there. Clearly, obviously, that's not nobody's surprised by that statement. But just the options they have on offense. Kevin, I mean... I liked I liked LAFC's buildup. I liked the way they but they got to the box and there wasn't this like super dangerous chance that was always coming. It was steady pressure. Um, but give me a team right now like the LA Galaxy who are outperforming sort of where they're I think that they probably should be. Um, and they're maybe doing it just based on confidence, right? It may just be the confidence they have. It may just be like I don't we don't know that we're not that good yet. So we're going to be confident. We're going to go out there and we're going to fight. But you saw this. I mean, I think if you saw those two teams playing on Saturday, I thought it was evident to me watching is that one of those teams wanted to win that game at all costs, that they were willing to lay it all on the line. And the other team, they thought it would be nice if they would win. Well, look at this. Look at the winning goal. Dunbar loses the ball, fights to get it back. gives it to Chicharito. He's pinned on the on the uh, near the goal line. Really doesn't have a way out, so he sends the ball through Tristan Blackman's legs just into the box. Like, hey, maybe something good will happen. And it did. Yes. And and it was it was great. I mean, you know, and that's Jonathan Dos Santos gets a lot of credit for this game. And he had a better second half than he did at first half. Far from 
far, far from great that you would expect him to be. But when you needed him, he was able to pass the ball into the back of the net. He was able to call off Efrain Alvarez. That's what I was watching those two players run at each other. And I'm like, they better figure that out because this is a golden opportunity here. It, it doesn't happen. Um, Cameron Dunbar was unbelievable in that game. Um, just the way that he kept fighting into that corner. And like you said, he was dribbling down into that corner against three guys. He lost the ball. And then LAFC, I think, decided that he wasn't a threat anymore. And they, you know, two guys went up the field and sort of left it in the back. And Cameron Dunbar wins it back. And not only that, he goes through the legs of his defender as well to get the ball to Chicharito. Chicharito goes through the legs uh, to get the ball into space. And Chicharito said that he didn't know if anybody was there, but he knew that somebody should be there, right? And that he put that ball into a place where it could where it could go. I mean, so what did Jonas say to Efrain and did he say it in English or Spanish? Uh, he said it. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I imagine he said it in Spanish whenever he was talking to, to Efra, but you, you heard what he said afterwards. Basically he, uh, and it was translated for me so I could see it. But, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos said, uh, you know, I told Efrain to leave it alone and he goes, and, and luckily he heard me and I was able to put it in. And by the way, Jonathan Bond commented that he couldn't imagine what it would be like in a stadium full of people, because even with the 7,193, he was having a tough time communicating with his defenders and so he, he's and he said too he said i could feel that goal coming mm -hmm. um you know the way the crowd was building i could feel that goal coming and he said the crowd scored that second goal oh. they deserve the assist on that second goal jonathan bond is a man of the people he was the la riot squad uh player of the game by the way he got that and said he did not and again you know chicharito with a goal and an assist and doesn't get uh it didn't even get man of the match and jonathan bond said he did not feel the earthquake he said he was too busy running around. Yeah, he said he was probably up in the air uh, at some of those points as it is. But I mean, just uh, again, going back to to the LA Galaxy and just the way, I mean, you know, bringing in Sasha Kleshin, um, I think Carlos Harvey played well whenever he came in and sort of provided some stability. L honestly, a guy who has been just absolutely hammered on this podcast over and over again for sort of showing, not showing in big, uh, big games, not showing at all, not showing really what he needed to be. Efrain Alvarez in this game was all the confident and all the swag that you ever wanted from a kid who's out there playing in a huge game with a lead, uh, megging Mark Anthony Kay in front of Bob Bradley is still, I think, one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Bob was so disgusted. He couldn't believe that was Mark Anthony Kay is coming over to cut off uh, Ephra in his own third, basically in his own half, right? He's coming over, to cut him off and Ephra's kind of pinned against the sideline and Bradley's screaming, no foul, no foul. He doesn't want Kay to foul him. So Kay goes in there apparently and Ephra sees him coming and just puts it right through his legs runs into space um there were two or three runs by Efrain that basically killed that game off and the la galaxy did such a great job of killing that game off kevin after they scored that second goal so you know scoring in the 79th minute still leaves you you know 11 minutes plus stoppage time and it ended up being four minutes of stoppage time uh to defend against a very good lafc team and they got a couple good chances but for the most part the galaxy killed that game off lafc died whenever jonathan dos santos scored that goal you could see it you could see them drop yeah, well, uh, and, and again, I'm going to go back to a small sample size, but the Galaxy are doing what they need to win. You know, do, do you get extra points for a lot of goals? Well, yeah, if there's a tiebreaker, but I mean, realistically, no. Win is a win, a tie is a tie, whatever. Um, the Galaxy are doing just enough to win. Um, they're not uh, They're not trying to be the best. Well, yeah, they are trying to be the best team in the league, but my, my point is they're not getting any extra brownie points for looking like the best team in the league. What they're doing is they're winning games. And, uh, you know, 3-1-0, no, they're halfway to their entire win total from last year. Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> again, um, you know, being nine points uh, through four games, Kevin, this gives them the sixth best start in, in franchise history. 
the sixth best start in franchise history for this club right now, nine points after four games. By the way, don't get too excited. They did it in 2019, but in 2019, they made the playoffs, Kevin. So you could say that this is, you know, already we talk so much about, you know, having the chance to build into these into these um, games, right? And into these seasons. And you don't have to be good right away in MLS because you just need to be good down the stretch, get into the playoffs and really hit your stride. But the bottom line is that if you go out there and you get off to a fast start, it certainly helps you down the road. Those are points towards the playoffs that the LA Galaxy already have in their pocket. They're not going to have to get those points back. They already have nine points in their pocket. It puts them third in the Western Conference. It puts them third in the Supporters' Shield right now. Um, and that's probably overperforming where they should be. But with a game coming up in Austin, uh, coming up against Austin, it puts them in a position that you're thinking, Yes, there seems to be something there that allows this team to sort of continue to win some of these games. Um, and those are all positives. However, you look at Greg Vandy couldn't have asked, quite honestly, for a better start. Well, and that puts him in the U.S. Open Cup, doesn't it? Yes, see, it would have. You know, that's the <laughs> yeah. real, that's the real problem is it would have put them in the U.S. Open Cup. And who knows? Maybe they have the U.S. Open Cup later in the season. They won't because of schedule congestion. But anyway. And here's another thing with, you're right, you know, you pocket those points at, at wherever you can get them, but we're we're going into a situation where this there's going to be a very crowded schedule the further we go on. Mm -hmm. We're going to, the Galaxy are going to lose players to international duty. There's the Gold Cup, there's Nations League, there's World Cup qualifiers. Uh, we know that's coming up, and we know the Galaxy are going to lose some of their best players to that. We know Leggett's probably going to go. If Ryan could go, Jonathan could go. Who knows? Maybe Chitarito will be back in the picture. We don't know that yet. Some of their players are going to be go going, and the depth's going to be tested. You have those points now. You don't really have to worry about that that much. You'd hate to have to play a must-win game in September with half your starting lineup gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Greg Vanny was clearly impressed with the performance in terms of the fight, right? And that's what we've been seeing from this team. Again, it's the fight. Um, they go out there. They go up against a team who is better than them in a lot of ways. Um, and the LA Galaxy come out on top. And uh, that's something you can't teach. It's it's good that I think it's getting into there. Uh, one of the best pictures and sort of to show you where the LA Galaxy are at, Kevin, is that um, Derek Williams did an Instagram story um, and his Instagram story um, was him riding on a bike with a bunch of other guys riding on bikes around Dignity Health Sports Park as their regen session. Their regen session was to hop on some beach cruisers and cruise around Dignity Health Sports Park to sort of get their legs moving and get that get everything flowing again. And they're having the time of their life. It's a Sunday. They just won. They're feeling good. They're all happy. They're on an Instagram story. They're riding bikes. I think uh, the the funny thing was Jonathan Bond had a beach cruiser with a giant like uh, basket on the front, like a woven basket on the front. And everybody's like, what's up with Bondy's basket over there? So um, all that stuff was great. It just it shows that um, we've talked about so much about clicks uh, in the locker room. We've talked about personalities and how they mix together. Um, and for me, that's less of an issue when everybody gets along as a whole, even if you do have clicks. You're going to have guys who hang out together. Um, but you're seeing this team is is different. And you said Mike McGee saw it. Um, Greg Vanny is seeing it. These guys are telling us that it's different, too. Um, well, I, I got a call, an email from a reporter in Austin today. At Galaxy obviously play Austin coming up this weekend. And he said, do you think maybe the Galaxy, after this big win, a big emotional win, which it clearly was, maybe they're, they've they're going to be kind of flat coming into the Austin game that, you know, they've got this big victory behind them and, and the Austin game is that important. And 
I actually came away feeling the exact opposite. The Galaxy wished they could have played that game today. Yeah. You know, that they want to get back out there. And it's not a, uh, when you have those letdowns, I think it's because you, you're exhausted. You take a breather. This was the game we were pointing for. We got past it. Now we can take a breather. And I think the Galaxy, just the momentum they're riding, it's more like, let's get out there and play now. Let's play, let's play the entire schedule this week. We're ready to go. <laughs> so I, th- there is no letdown. If anything, it's like, watch, watch what I can do now. Well, it will be uh, interesting to see how the LA Galaxy play as a favorite because I imagine they're going to be listed as favorites against Austin. They did. They were favorites against New York um, whenever that game got played, but they're going to be favorites. But Austin's pretty good. They are. They're a good team. They're, they're, they're a be decent missing one team. Of their best players. Yeah. They're going to be missing one of their best players. Oh, uh, the red card. Alexander Ring, right? He got, uh, yeah. he got red two, card. two, two yellow two cards. Yellows. Yeah, and so he'll be missing. So we get, we get to watch that. Uh, so, I mean, I think my final takeaway from this game is is uh that this LA Galaxy team is uh is is okay. I mean, I don't I'm I'm it, people are going to get hyped on this and they're going to say, "Oh, you know, the LA Galaxy are, are the best or that or there's a lot of people who are certainly just sort of downplaying it saying, "Well, LAFC hasn't played very well this year." I, I admit, I don't think they played very well. They're missing Carlos Vela. Um, you know, they're not scoring a whole bunch of goals. They have defensive issues the same as the LA Galaxy um in a lot of ways. Uh but bottom line is the LA Galaxy are undefeated against LAFC at home. That's still something that they get to hang their hat on. And every time the LA Galaxy play LAFC, I don't care if it's this season, last season, whatever, Kevin, um, it seems that the LA Galaxy are up for these games. And if they're up for these games, uh, then it's going to be difficult for a team that uh, right now seems to lack some emotional sort of heart in some of these games uh, to come and beat them. Uh, And so whether if the edge right now is just the heart and the heart is always difficult to measure. And I don't even like talking about it much, but the LA galaxy have been showing a ton of it. So it's hard, kind of hard to ignore. Uh, if the difference in major league soccer, that one or 2% that makes you a good team difference between a good team and, you know, a, a bad team uh, is that heart. Then the LA galaxy seem to have that in spades right now. And uh, I think going into Austin or anything else, I don't know that that hurts them uh, being favorites or, or, or anything else or the confidence. There's no such thing as overconfidence for the LA galaxy. They could be, they could feel like they're on top of the world. They can't get there yet from, from well, where it, they're playing. It makes them almost impossible to coach against too. I mean, we talked about Chicharito. He's getting a lot of these poacher goals. I, I would say four, at least four or five of his goals have been those so-called poacher goals where the, the rebound comes off the Derek Williams slide tackle. How do you defend that? You don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the, those two that he knocked in at the post that were off rebounds. How do you defend that? You don't. So it's difficult to defend Chicharito, but how do you game plan for a team where, whose strength is heart? Yeah. How do you take their heart out of the game? Um, that's a very difficult thing to try to do. Yeah. I, I think if I were game planning against the Galaxy, the one thing I would try to do is keep the ball bottled up in the midfield as much as possible and 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 sever the links between the back line and the midfield and make the forwards, Chicharito, come, come deep to get the ball. The, you know, Seattle was able to do that. No one else has been able to do that. Um, and, and the, you know, the Galaxy, again, their their strength so far has been something you really can't game plan against. Zubak played well in his four. I know people were, were sort of saying he he faded. In the second half, they moved him back into a midfield position more, and that's where he sort of faded. Um, I thought it was interesting looking at the passing network, and this gives you sort of average positions in here as well. Uh, the LA Galaxy playing more of a back three. Uh, against LAFC than anything. Viafania sort of being that transient, getting up into the midfield, dropping back down um, into uh, into the, the the backside as well. So, I mean, there's been... 
There's a lot of things here. Grand Sieur, I know people are sort of getting frustrated with him, but uh, you know, over the first 10 minutes of stuff that was going on, Kevin, I every, the first 10 minutes of games, the first 10 minutes of half for Grand Sieur, I'm buying what he's selling. Whatever he's doing, I'm buying it. He had some good mo- mo- moments. He had some good movements. I'm still convinced he's not you know, ready to sort of be 100% game shape, and he looked like he ran out of gas again in the second half. Um, but there were moments there where you saw glimpses of possibly what he could bring, and if he's getting those little moments and he's starting to get better, I'm, I'm starting to be more and more of a fan of Grand Sierra. I'm not saying I've seen him play well. That hasn't happened yet. But there's been flashes where I've sort of liked. So um, we look at that. Let's talk about the team of the week, though, because Chicharito now, what, three of four in team of the weeks uh, as he goes, gets named to the uh, top of the line starting forwards up there. He was not named uh, the player of the week. Chris Wondolowski came in and scored two goals um, as a substitute to win the game for San Jose over, who were they playing? RSL? I think it was, was Uh, RSL. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think I can't remember exactly. Um, But he comes in, so he got player of the week. Um, Here's the thing, though. Uh, If I go and look at these defenders that are on here and Walker Zimmerman uh, and, and some of these other guys, I'm not convinced that Julian Araujo, who we didn't really talk about, who I thought had an outstanding game against LAFC as he normally does. Um, I'm not sure uh, Julian Araujo doesn't make this list, Kevin. I'm not sure that Derek Williams, who had a very, very good game and central defense for the LA Galaxy, doesn't make this list. They at least make the bench. Um, and if you go into the bench and you see Jonathan Dos Santos there, in my mind, there's no reason for Jonathan Dos Santos to be on the bench. He had a goal. He played okay. He was certainly, in my opinion, not worthy of being on the bench. But the one guy who absolutely should be on here, not in a starting role on the team of the week, but certainly on the bench is Jonathan Bond because Jonathan Bond had an outstanding game, was controlling so much good thing. So many good things happened with Jonathan Bond. So for me, the biggest snub on this is that Jonathan Bond is not on the bench. By the way, Chicharito is on pace for 51 goals this season. Uh, 50, Just throwing that out there. 50. He's, he's, I mean, again, so we're at six now for him, right? And so if we're at six, Kevin, and we sit there and we start to say, okay, so there's four games down, which means there are 28 games left to go. Well, then how many goals should he score in the next 28 games? I mean, you can't sit there and tell me that 15 isn't a reasonable number, which puts him at 21. Um, so 21 goals total for, for Chicharito? Does that sound like a stupid number? It's not right now. No, it's not right now. But I, I would also say that that would be a pretty poor rest of the season when you look at the way he started. That's the other I part of it, I think he should right? be thinking about 25 now, at least. I would just like to point out that the best of Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane gave them each 20 goals, right? But But... But you got to hope that Kevin Cabral comes in and, and Grant Sear starts to get a little more involved offensively. I mean, the, the Galaxy have eight goals. Chicharito scored the first uh, six of the first seven, so that's six of the eight. Uh, that's you know, it, yeah, it, it's great to have a. But even when when Vela broke the record. You know, Rossi had 15 goals that right. season. The other guys were scoring. Right. Yeah. And 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 listen, I expect that the LA Galaxy are going to start to get better and better at that. I'm just I'm just not convinced that um, that they're even close to where they should be offensively. And without Kevin Cabral in that offensive thing, I think that's going to change some things too. Uh, Aaron uh, gave us a little five dollar super chat and says, "Comment on the subs. I thought Vanny picked the perfect players to come off at the right time and picked the right players to come in for them." So um, you had. Uh, all the subs, Sasha Kleshin came in in the 63rd minute, Carlos Harvey in the 55th minute, uh, Efrain Alvarez in the 75th, and Cameron Dunbar in the 63rd, along with uh, Sasha Kleshin. So four out of the five subs, three stoppages used. I- I'll say as a general 
Um, I thought Sasha Kleshin was a good sub. I questioned Efrain coming in whenever he came in um, and for who he came in because he came in for Legit. Um, I questioned that whenever it happened, but it made a lot of sense. It, it, it worked out fine. Vanny pulled the right strings, so there's there's zero arguments there. But Kevin, do you see... I mean, and and we've been watching coaches struggle for the LA Galaxy since Bruce Arena left, but do you see Greg Vanny out there changing the game or being proactive with his substitutions as well. He's not waiting until they score a goal to make a zillion subs. Greg always has a reason for subs to come in. And as a matter of fact, the goal that was scored um, by LAFC, Vanny already had his subs up waiting to come in before that goal was scored. And so you wonder if they would have gone on the field if that goal would have scored because he saw it going downhill and was like, I need to change. I need to make things. And he saw it five minutes before that goal even started. Well, the subs, when they come on, the point is the subs, Fanny does have a plan and the subs know what it is. And they go on with, uh, you know, orders, something that they need to execute with a mission. You know, that that's very important. Player wants to know what he's going out there to do. And he wants to make sure that, you know, he's in the right position to succeed. I think Fanny's done a good job with that. And, and this is not to beat up on GBS. Um, you know, we've, we're all guilty of doing a, a lot of that, but I just think about Vanny's post-game press conference the last couple of weeks after Seattle, he stepped right up and said, all this was on me. This is my fault. I made their lineup. It didn't work out. He took all of the, the criticism and blame onto himself. What does he do after this game? When they win, he says, love the way the players played. I love the heart. I love what they showed. And then he started to name guys, Chicharito, Dos Santos, Jonathan Baum was great. Dunbar. He na- name checked a lot of players. So here's a coach who's going to say, if it, if it doesn't work out, it's my fault. Not you guys. I messed up. If they succeed, you guys were great. I was just a spectator. I was just watching. It was wonderful. And you think back to last year when, you know, when the when they would lose, GBS would be like, oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, the game plan worked, and we had everybody in the right position, and it just didn't happen. He was either lost or was shifting the blame to somebody else. And I just go back to I was there at MLS's back when four times he accused his team of quitting. Um, it's hard to play for a guy like that. And I think when Vanny comes out and says. We lost because of me, and we won because of the players. Players really like that. Yeah, well, and and the other thing is that if he ever does call out a player, right, he's going to do it for a reason, right, Kevin? It's not just, oh, well, this is the answer for everything. It's if, if, if Vanny goes out there and says, you know, I thought Jonathan Baum didn't play that well tonight and i was hoping that he would do better and you know what we'll, we'll work with him and he'll get better on it like that then you know he's doing it for a motivational reason right like it's not like he's just throwing somebody under the bus for an excuse but it's like i'm going to motivate this guy i think the only way maybe to reach him is to do it this way and that's why i'm going to do it there's there's thought but behind i all bet this. you a million bucks we don't hear that i yeah, bet I, you that I wouldn't u.s open cup money that i owe you we <laughs> we never hear that uh, he's going to tell jonathan bond that in person and a couple of times and then if it doesn't take then maybe he uses the media right. but he'll use it in a very strategic way uh, to, to to make sure that the headlines get out there and the fans know too. But I think the first couple of times he starts in the clubhouse or in the dressing room and t- tells Jonathan Bond to his face that he's not doing it right, and we'll we'll be the will be the re- last resort for that kind of stuff. He's not going to he's not going to motivate his team through the media, but he is going to praise it through the media. Yeah, I think so. Uh just an FYI, uh the LA Galaxy announced a whole bunch of uh, additions to their sports science and performance department staff. A bunch of these came over from Toronto FC. Um I, from what I can tell, 
on this. There are six new people in positions this year, Kevin. I don't know whether or not they were replacing people or if these are straight up six additions overall. Um, but you're talking about, you know, director of high performance and innovation, director of cognitive performance, head of sports science and research, head of strength and conditioning, uh, head athletic trainer who Caesar rolled on, by the way, in case you didn't know, um, you know, athletic trainer, sports performance dietitians. And I think they have two people who are actually splitting time between Herbalife and the LA Galaxy as well. It's sort of hard to wrap my head around in terms of whether how much bigger this department got, but it feels like it got bigger. That feels like these just weren't replacing people who left. Um, there's probably at least two or three additions at the very least, and there may be as many as six. Um, whenever this comes down. But again, this is this is Greg Vanny. This is Dennis Closa. This is these guys building out this club to what they think it should be. Um, and, yeah. And doing it holistically. I mean, they're ta- they're 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 everything is sort of part of this mix. You know, they're not they're, they're, they're leaving no stone unturned, I guess. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and by the way, there was an athletic article that talked about um, the LA Galaxy. There were some quotes from Chris Klein in there and about what Greg Vanny was doing. And certainly there was an emphasis on the scouting department, which, uh, you know, Dennis DeClose and I think uh, Greg Vanny said, you know, needs to be bigger. And so they're working on building that out as well. So um, they're doing a lot of things that big clubs are doing. And so uh, I don't know why the LA Galaxy trailed so far behind this after Bruce. Um, but whatever the reason is, it seems like Vanny is intent on fixing it. Dennis DeClose is intent on fixing it. And it seems like the LA Galaxy are backing both of those guys to do that at this time because that wasn't the case Kevin you and I have talked about it many times where some of the coaches that came in got almost no support okay so here's a question for you this is a little dicey maybe a little edgy I got the impression that Dennis and and Guillermo worked very closely together and were very sympathetic sort of had the same ideas we're looking for the same type of players in the same region of the world they were on the same page it seems as if things have changed 180 degrees now rather than than Argentina all the players are coming from France they're looking in Europe granted Dennis is, is from the Netherlands. He has connections there. It feels as if this is Greg Vanny running the show and kind of telling Dennis what he wants um, and that you know, these ideas are all Greg's. And and I'm not saying Dennis disagrees with any of them, but I'm just saying that Dennis that, that Greg comes to Dennis with the ideas and said, make this happen as opposed to the other way around. Would you agree with that? <sighs> I feel like there's I feel like they're they're still working together. I, I feel like, yes, Greg Vanny is bringing him things. I think that there is um, as I, I think that Dennis is very much open to working with both coaches. Right. So if you think that GBS directed a lot of things that maybe Dennis did and that maybe Greg Vanny is doing the same thing. Right. I mean, really, when you look at it, Greg Vanny says, I need a player for this. And the and we have these guys. Let's look at these guys. Let's evaluate them. And then basically Dennis says, well, I like this guy. And Greg goes, I like this guy. And then everybody talks and they're like, well, we're going to settle on this guy. And then it's up to Dennis to go make that deal happen. Right. So there needs to be input from the coach. That coach should be directing it. I don't really know, uh, Kevin, whether or not we can just assign it all to Greg Vanny. But I think that if we assign a lot of the search in South America to Gamma Barrescoloto, then we have to assign some of this French look, certainly in, in the Greg Vanny camp. Well, Greg did that in Toronto at the end. Greg was uh, sort of the general. He was Bruce Arena. He was the general manager and the manager. He signed the players and then he coached them. Um, I, I think he enjoys this situation of having Dennis as someone to bounce ideas off of someone to work through the details. I think he likes that, but yeah, uh, certainly this is, this team is coming away the, together the way Greg wants it. And they're the kind of players Greg wants to coach and they play the same style that Greg wants to play. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, 
I think it's interesting as we keep building on this, too, and seeing how this goes. I mean, clearly the LA Galaxy think that they found something in France, right? Because they're they're saying we're going after League Two guys like we can't like there's not enough. They, they couldn't possibly have enough League Two French players. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about another one here in a second. Uh, I just wanted to go over uh, provisional rosters for Nations League came out. Sebastian Legette is on it for the United States. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Efrain Alvarez for Mexico. Pipo Gonzalez is for Costa Rica. Yeah, I know that guy who doesn't play. Uh, Pipo Gonzalez on for Costa Rica. Um, so when you look at those, those are the provisional rosters. I think it's expected right now that Legette will go for the United States and Jonathan Dos Santos will go for Mexico. There's maybe some question about whether Efrain Alvarez goes with Mexico, but it's a 23 man roster. It's not a super expanded roster. So you have to cut it down to 23. If Araujo does get picked, though, and if he does play, Kevin, that's it. He's cap tied because those are official games um, within it. So there might be some not some hesitancy, but maybe a second thought or two from, you know, uh, Julian Araujo or sorry, Efrain Alvarez about going um, with that, uh, with well, that team. I think he's made his mind up. He said some things recently that make sure make it sound like he made his mind up. He did talk about wanting to go look at both sides and work that stuff out, but I think he's made his mind up. I, I, I think the maybe the bigger issue would be the gold cup. I don't think he makes the nation's league roster, but I do think he, he, he could play in the gold cup. I, I, I will say this, that, um, he has a better chance of playing with Mexico than he does with the U S men's national team right away. So I don't know why there's this whole question mark about where he wants to go. It's, it's always seems sort of written in the cards for me. Uh, FYI, the nations, uh, the nations league, uh, semifinals coming up June 3rd, uh, the USA versus Honduras, seven thirty PM Eastern time, Mexico versus Costa Rica, 10 Eastern. Um, and then June 6th is the third place game, uh, 6.30 Eastern in the final, uh, 9 Eastern. So uh, for U.S. men's national team and uh, the U- the Mexican national team, possibly Sebastian Legent, Jonathan Dos Santos, the Galaxy have a break in June. I think they don't end up going back until June 13th or June 19th. Yeah, I think you're right, 19th. Uh, you're right. I looked it up earlier. So uh, June 19th. So there is a break in there. Um, to sort of do some of this stuff. So, so that Nations League, that first round game, it would be the Jonathan Dos Santos against People Bowl. <laughs> yeah, if, if People ends up going, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And, and if Greg, if the U.S. wins this, which is big if, if they win that, that would be the first trophy for Greg Berhalter. Yep. I hope which is kind of a big deal going into World Cup qualifying. And lots of fun. Um, so the LA Galaxy's week this week, the team was off today on Monday. So everybody got a little break. It was regen on Sunday, off on Monday, team training on Tuesday, team training on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then, of course, the game on Saturday. Um, 1230. 12, yeah, 12.30 p.m. By the way, everybody's, Kevin, if you were to guess which jerseys the LA Galaxy are going to wear against Austin. And I would like to remind everybody that the home team gets to pick the jersey and then the way team has to adjust to that jersey so that way it's a, usually a dark and a, and a light. So the LA Galaxy picked their whites against LAFC and LAFC then had to respond with their black kits. Um, and some people were asking why they didn't wear the community kit as well. You know, in the afternoon, it's probably a smart idea to wear the white kit and do that. I would imagine the LA Galaxy would want to wear the white kit again at a 1230 kickoff time this Saturday, depending on the weather. Um, but they have to make that decision beforehand and they could go community kit and force Austin to go into their, um, you know, lighter kits as well, where they're home, basically they're, they're white, um, that they have. So if you were going to guess, Kevin, do you think the LA galaxy go light or dark for their home? home I think they go, they go light and uh, partly because of what you just said, if, if you believe that there's an advantage in wearing light clothing, light colored clothing in a hot weather environment, not only do you not want to give that advantage up, but you don't want to give it to the other team. Right. By the way, Matt Beasley will be coming in with Austin and, uh, 
you know, old friend with the national team and everything. When he went back to Kansas City this last weekend, uh, took his jersey off after the game and gave it to a kid in the stands, which I thought was really nice. His his return back to Salt, uh, back to Kansas City. Always fun. Uh, I missed a super chat. I'm sorry, Logan. Uh, Logan, uh, the, don't worry. The chat room corrected me. Um, Logan gave us five dollars and says, "I think the panda should dye his hair light blue like the Man City jersey." So what that would think? be awesome. You know, I got to talk. Uh, who would I talk to about that? I guess uh, Sophie. Yeah. You, oh, Sophie, Sophie could help me. No, what? Light blue. I don't think she'd help you dye your hair light blue. No, no. Maybe, but, yeah. maybe red for Arsenal for you. But uh, maybe I call up Megan Rapino and find out who she uses. That you could absolutely. You just got to get that like spray in stuff that turns it all blue. So maybe, maybe, for, maybe for the next show, right? You'll dye your hair blue. I can't wait to see it. Um, it sure looks a lot better on this new computer. The camera just, it, it's good. Maybe the viewers can't tell, but the listener, certainly the listeners can't I was going to say the listeners can't tell, which is the, the good part of that. Uh, the schedule for the LA Galaxy coming up Saturday, May 15th, the 12.30 p.m. kickoff time. Well, actually, I don't know when the kickoff time is, but they're scheduled for 12.30. That's probably when coverage starts. That, that game is on uh, Univision. The, the, again, Kevin, we're still into nationally televised games. The LA Galaxy haven't played one game that hasn't been nationally televised. It was on Big Fox last week uh and now it's going to be uh univision coming up uh on saturday and then the next saturday it's away at portland and that game is on abc and then it's going to be home to the san jose earthquakes the game that i'll be missing uh is and that one's on unamas they haven't had a spectrum sports net game yet this year that's that's pretty impressive as we keep going isn't it well, and that San Jose game, man, too bad you're going to miss that. That's shaping up to be a big game. It is. Uh, it is. Don't worry. We're going to have Larry Morgan cover for me. He's going to be in the stadium. He's going to be so excited for for everything to happen. So, um, Chris Wondolowski against Chicharito. Wow. The the poachers, the poachers versus the poacher. Um, except one of those guys still plays like 90 minutes, and one guy comes in for and scores two goals in like his last 15 minutes. Well, he's 107 years old. Give him a break. <laughs> he seems to be getting that way. Let's get to some LA Galaxy rumors because I'm sure everybody sort of held on for this time. So do you want to know the one that is not happening first? Let's do that one. Let's do the Will it, William? Yeah, William is not happening. All right. I know people were talking about it. I'm, I'm glad. Hopefully this gets picked up. I will tweet it out probably tomorrow whenever I get a chance. Uh, but if you're listening to the podcast and you're listening to um, and and you're you're here in the live chat, then you get breaking news, which is the LA Galaxy are not interested in William. And it was funny. I was having a conversation with somebody, Kevin, and I said, uh, what about William? And uh, this person goes, goes, yeah, I wish. Like that type of thing, but no, that's not happening. Um, and so, well, first of all, he's going to need DP money. It's not there. Remember Christian Pavone? Yep, he's, he's not. Uh, so William would need DP money. It's not there. Um, yeah, the Galaxy would love to have another defender. They've done a great job rebuilding their back line. Probably could use one more. Uh, but he's not coming for the money the Galaxy have available. Um, he's not a Nigel Young, uh, Ashley Cole type situation. He's not coming here for the money the Galaxy could offer. They're not going to clear a DP spot for him. Um, and really, you have to remember, when you hear these rumors, think about it. it. Does it work out? Does it fit? Is it what the Galaxy are looking for? Because in much of the world, there's only a couple of teams that, that people in other leagues and fans in other leagues know. The Galaxy is the one in MLS, right. just like maybe Chivas or Club America in Mexico. When an agent or a team or a player are trying to plant a rumor that, hey, I may be leaving, you might want to negotiate a new contract with me, the Galaxy is the name they throw out there. That's why we had Edison, you know, Edison Cavani was coming in. Luis Suarez was coming in. And yeah, every once in a while, Zalatan actually does show up. Right. But for the most part, these are just rumors that are floated out there to get the guy a new contract or some big money. Uh, 
William is not coming, at least not now. No, no, it's it's not. He, he's not. That's and that's the not now. Right. Because certainly, uh, you know, this discussion that I was having was sort of free flowing and was just sort of back and forth. But it was like, well, I was like, well, you know, um, maybe the galaxy could get creative. Maybe they move Jonathan Dos Santos in the summertime. Um, you know, maybe they have a central defensive midfielder that they want to bring in, which we'll talk about here in a second. Maybe that person slides in and then you open up a designated player slot. You sell Jonathan Dos Santos, then you have a winger slot. But OK, so you went out and bought Grant Sierra. You went out and bought Kevin Cabral, and then you're going to bring in William as this winger, probably more is probably than a than a cam than a central attacking midfielder. You're going to bring William out here, 32 years old, going to be 33 here pretty soon. Um, so he's you know sort of aging up as it goes, but obviously a great talent. Um, I'm not going to say that. I spent a ton of time with Chelsea this last season with uh, with Arsenal, and it looks like he he's going to move. It looks like he wants to move, but they, it's it's not happening. Um, well, and, and and when you think about where the Galaxy are and what they're doing. Um, this is a long-term project, okay? They're bringing in these young French guys who the French League, both League One and League Two, are having a ton of financial problems right now. These players they're bringing in are very good players, but they're the Galaxy are getting them for pennies on the dollar, right. that, you know, to be realistic. And a guy like Kevin Cabral is coming in as a DH. He's a very young player. The Galaxy could sit on him for a year, six months, maybe even in this summer transfer window if he plays really great. They could sell him for a ton more money than they got him for. Yep. So – I would not get too attached, especially to some of these French players, the young French players. I can see the Galaxy turning these guys around. And then, yeah, maybe there is a spot for William then, but not right now. Not um, today. Um, by the way, uh, Bob uh, gave us a $5 super chat and says, COG meetup at Canes and Carson. Did you know? Did you see that they're putting in a Raising Canes on Avalon, Kevin, as you're coming into the stadium? I did not. I did not know that. I am a, a, a El Pescador guy myself. Well, I mean, yes, you can. You can always have Mexican food. I'm just talking. On my way home, I usually stop at Canes down in Orange County, uh, right before. I, so I, if I could get it on Carson and then eat it in the car on the way home, it sounds a lot better. So Raising Canes, by the way, right next to it is the Chick Fil A that should be opening. But um, the the Canes that is on Avalon is supposed to open. I think tomorrow, Tuesday, because they're like three days until we open. Um, whenever we drove by, I was really upset. I think they did a like soft opening whenever I was driving to. To the stadium and i was like maybe they'll still be soft opened whenever i come back and i can get some canes and it was closed already so no okay are you are you a canes guy at all do you have you ever had raisin canes i have no idea what you're talking about you've been you've been uh, you, i was gonna been, i was gonna play i was gonna play a fun little like cat. you know like thing and make it go all crazy and instead i hit mike araho and it's like sometimes i think michael I, araho we like michael araho yeah fine i mean we love mike he's great um but you know all that stuff but yeah chick-fil-a um there's also a thing and then apparently uh, well, tell me about raising cane. You, you chicken fingers. This far. Chicken fingers. Dude, I'm vegetarian. What am I going to eat chicken fingers with? No, they you, fries? Nobody likes you. We don't care if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> We're telling you that you should eat chicken fingers just this once because their cane sauce is good. Although Eric and my buddy John, uh, the hammer and, and my friend John say that uh, you need to put some hot sauce in the raisin canes. Um, you, you know, uh, dip their sauce and it's, it's just really good. So not too bad. Their fries leave, I think a little bit to, to, to be desired, uh, their Texas toast, um, which somebody asked if you're making toast in Texas is all Texas toast, Texas toast. Very interesting question. Don't have time to get into that tonight, but, um, yeah, Raisin Cane's is, is, is very good. It's, it's Does Texas toast get to vote. That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, point, point me to a pupuseria. Then we're, then we're then, talking. Then you're in, then you're in. How about... There we go. I got it. I just wanted. I wanted to make sure we got it one more time. Um, the 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 fries are good. If you eat the fries right away, then they don't get soggy. Um, that's the whole thing you have to worry because it's the crinkle cut fries, Kevin. Just in case. Worst fries in the world, In and Out. The worst fries agree? in the world are In. No, no. Oh, okay. No, not even close. No, 
No, I've had way worse fries. Most of them come from McDonald's. Um, McDonald's can have great fries. It's just they have no consistency. Anyway, I, I had nachos once in Munich, Germany, and they were made with uh, Doritos. It was horrible. That's barbecue Doritos. That, that might terrible. That might be okay. I don't know. I'll try it. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. Uh, let's talk about the player who looks like they are coming to the LA Galaxy after we got sidetracked. There. Oh yeah, rumors. I forgot. Yeah, yeah rumors. Uh, Rayan Revelasson. Uh, so I think it's like Ryan, uh, Ryan uh, Revelasson. He is uh, French and Madagascan from Madagascar, by the way. That's I was I was I was looking it up a long time ago in elementary school. I learned that like Madagascar is 200 miles off the southeast coast of South Africa. And I've never forgot that. And that's still where Madagascar is. It probably moved a little bit, but not not, not enough to change uh, that. I think 200, 250 miles. Something like that. But he is a uh, Madagascan. Um, apparently, I looked at two places and one said he was born in France um, and he has, uh, you know, a, a Madagascan heritage so he can play for their national team. Do they have a national team? That's a very interesting question. I don't know. I've never heard of Madagascar. That. Yeah. Have you ever heard of their soccer team? I'm trying to think. Is that a thing? I think most of their players, just like the, the uh, you know, players in Curacao that are really good, go play in the Netherlands. Yeah, so most of the players in Madagascar probably go play in France, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so so that's how it goes. Uh, Madagascar, a former French colony, if I if I imagine correctly. Right, and I'm, I'm thinking now as you're telling me this, that all the great soccer countries, England, Germany, France, they had all these colonies, especially France, all over the world. Right. And... 200 years later, they've kind of given those countries independence, but all their great soccer players come there. So the U.S. needed an empire like 200 years ago. Maybe we would have won a World Cup by now. They're, they're still they're still building that, I think. I think that's uh, that's what they're working on. Um, yeah, so uh, Ryan Ravalosson, uh, he is a 24-year-old central defensive midfielder uh, playing for uh, for Troy. That's S. what we need. That's yeah, what we need. That's what, remember, you said central yeah. defensive midfielder. You said they wanted one. Um, he is in League Two playing for Troy S., I'm sure I'm saying that that wrong. Uh, and but uh, Troyes is being promoted to League One. As a matter of fact, the uh, the Troyes um, uh, the Troyes fans really like him. Um, they say he's really good, and they were hoping that he was going to go with them up to uh, the League One promotion. Uh, he's about six feet tall. Um, this is a guy who very well could come in um, and and do some some good things for the LA Galaxy. They seem. Uh, you know, it seems like a good sign. It seems like somebody they would be interested in. So I was able to talk to somebody, Kevin. I can tell you the LA Galaxy are interested in him. Um, I will tell you that for sure uh, that they're trying to get this deal done. I don't know if this deal does get done, but what you have to understand is that his uh, his contract is going to expire in June, at the end of June, and it looks like the LA Galaxy will probably just wait that out. Um, because he will basically be on a free transfer. He will be able to go where he wants to go. So all of those things seem to be lining up in that favor. But I'm not saying that that Rebel Assault is coming anytime soon. Um, but this is the guy that, from what we've been told, the Galaxy have been talking. I mean, we didn't know the name. We knew that Greg Vanny back in February told me that they had a central defensive midfielder that they wanted and that they looked at him as being the linchpin to the so, way they play. So we don't know if those are the same player. OK, we now, don't. But he was so sold on this guy. Yeah. And but I'll tell you this, that uh, whenever I was talking to my sources, it was, yes, we're interested. Yes, we think he would be a good fit, um, but we're not. We're not done yet. And the rumors and the reports out of France are saying basically a three-year deal um, and that the LA Galaxy may have offered it. Usually whenever I talk, I can find out whether or not there's anything sort of formal. Um, I don't know that there's anything been formal yet. Um, you know, but the three-year deal and then the remember we talked about the four-year deal for Cabral, how that was, we believe, a club record deal. And then there's um, uh, club options on the end. You know what that's all about? I mean, you probably knew this, but I, I've sort of figured it out recently is 
the longer the club can have control over these guys, if they think they're going to amount to something, yes, you could get stuck with a lemon for four years. Right. But as a play, 21-year-old develops, you can sell him then. You don't have – the player doesn't have the option of sort of waiting for his contract to run out, which, as you mentioned with this player in France, he's going to wait till his contract runs out, and then he's going to come as a free transfer. If you own Kevin Cabral's rights for three or four years and a club in Europe wants him – the Galaxy are in a good position to make money off that deal. So that's why I think you're seeing this deal would be a three-year deal with an option. So the Galaxy would have this guy wrapped up for four years and Cabral for four years with an option. Uh, this is setting the Galaxy up to, to perhaps sell these guys in the future and continue to rebuild this club. That's why I think this is a long-term project. I, I wouldn't get super attached to a lot of these guys. I think there's going to be guys running – uh, this is a Sevilla-type situation where I think we're going to have guys coming through here uh, in – short order i think the club is going to continue to develop yeah I, I will say this i don't think anybody's going anywhere for the next two or three years no no not with the covid situation but this is a it's just a project i don't think anyone's looking at this as like michael bradley coming to toronto when vanny was there and that's where he was going to stay until he retired right right no yeah i think you're right they're not ending their career here this is a stepping stepping stone on to something else um, and so certainly could be uh, a thing anyway. So uh, that's also sort of your breaking news. If you're alive on this uh, this podcast, live on the show, is that the LA Galaxy are interested. I can confirm that. Um, how interested in terms of how far along, if we were going on our five-star rumor rating, which we normally do, and five stars is, yes, this is absolutely happening. Um, I would probably put this in the three to four-star range right now, maybe three and a half, although I don't do half stars. So um, it's one of those probably in the three and a half. Um, to four stars. But you already. just said you don't do half stars, and then you go three and a half again. I can do whatever I want. It's my show. I can that's absolutely. I, I do. I and I do it all the time. So uh, that's where we sit. Interesting note: LA Galaxy don't have an international slot open. We would imagine that People Gonzalez is going to get moved this summer, which would line up for the summer thing. Um, I think the Galaxy are hoping that perhaps they can get um, you know this this revelation. Um, into the team earlier than when, than the June 30th expiration, but I don't think they're willing to sit there and like pay any transfer fee, which, by the way, I think it was at least reported that Sega Koulibaly, that the LA Galaxy gave um, his French club uh, $100,000 in terms of a transfer in order to get him now and not wait until the summer, until his contract was over. That would, that's, that would sound worth it. And by the way, I'm going to break with tradition on, on you and I have always had this discussion about if a player makes a lot of money, your argument's always been he should be playing, and my argument is if the roster costs the same and you're winning doesn't matter where that player is i will break i will break with my uh philosophy on people the guy's making over six hundred thousand, and he's not even dressing out regularly he's not playing um yeah i think especially with the international slot that's a guy that they've got to move because they need the international slot and they've got to get some financial relief you can't just have six hundred thousand dollars um, watching from the luxury suites every week. No, it, it's TAM player, right? TAM money is is uh, you know finite. So is cap space money is is finite. So you have a large portion of TAM money sitting on the bench, not even you know making a play in any of these games. So was people even on the bench? I stopped looking. It's one of those. I haven't even paid attention, Kevin. I I don't think he was in Seattle. I I don't remember whether he was on the bench for this game. No, and I don't think he is. Remember, he was still coming back from injury too. So um, that was something else we were, we were sort of looking at as we uh, as we went down and saw everything. All right. Um, yeah, that's sort of where we sit. The LA Galaxy get ready for a game against Austin. We've we've covered the game against LAFC. It was a great win. Uh, it's one of those sort of uh, confidence boosting, but confidence building, because you can't say the Galaxy weren't confident going into this game. Uh, they wanted to win that game. They fought for it, and they did win it. Uh, LA Galaxy, looking at the stat, uh, looking at the uh, table right now, sit in third place in the Western Conference. Uh, they sit third in the Supporter Shield as well. Uh, a lot of Western Conference teams, Seattle, San Jose, LA, Vancouver, 
um, Kansas City, Colorado, and Salt Lake right now above the playoff line. Austin sitting with six points. That's their next opponent coming in at in the eighth place. So um, I, I think we're I think we're getting close, Kevin. I think we're getting close to seeing an LA Galaxy team. I think we're going to get to see our Kevin Cabral debut uh, this weekend as well. So a lot of fun things sort of on tap for an early game um, on a Saturday, which my wife is not happy about, by the way. She's already told me. So uh, just FYI. Well, wife aside, um, mine's glad to get me out of the house, yes. which you can understand. Yes. Um, you know, I just, it, it's, it's hard not to get excited by the way the galaxy is playing, but I think you, we have to exercise a little bit of caution. It's only four games. There's been a lot to like it's 30 games to go eight months left or seven months left in the season. It's a lot of things going to happen between now and then injuries, international duty, weather, um, guys going into slumps. Things look good right now. Um, it, it's just I'm personally, in in my own heart, sort of trying to c- combat the enthusiasm. It's it's just a little bit too early to get all worked up. You remember GBS's first year? I think it was March when they won five games, mm-hmm. and we're talking about this could be the greatest team in the history of professional sports. And they, it didn't they, really work out. They were they were tracking at the time to be one of the better LA Galaxy teams, right? I mean, you look at where they are through, and you know, we do this every year is whenever we look at where the LA Galaxy are through X number of games, right? Through four games right now, this is the sixth best start ever in LA Galaxy history. Does that mean a lot? It's not, it doesn't mean really anything when we look at it um, in terms of long, you know, the long look, but only two seasons at this point have been actually, excuse me, three seasons have been better. And two of those were in the shootout era that didn't have, you know, draw uh, so, that kind of looks like the skyline of San Diego. Y- y- yes, yes, yes. Except, except less expensive. So that's the yeah. that's the good part. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for us. Are you good? Yeah, I keep freezing. You know, my frame there keeps freezing. No, for those of us, n- nobody, those of you who are watching, nobody on the uh, on the audio cares. So I'll just I'll say that. Actually, I'm sure people who are watching the video don't really care if you're. No, they don't even notice. Yeah. Either. It's making you make Let's, for a lot of funny faces. I actually yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, that guy moves really slow. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And head on over to uh, latimes.com where you can get all of Kevin's coverage. latimes.com, soccer in Southern California, around the nation as well. latimes.com, at kbaxter11 on Twitter. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over, cornerofthegalaxy.com, videos. Uh, recaps, articles, all that fun stuff is right there for you, including all of our podcasts. Like, subscribe, uh, review, all those fun things are there. You can join us on Mondays and Thursdays right now. It looks like we have live shows Mondays and Thursdays that you can join us and be a part of. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.